This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network. My latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. In this episode, I'm joined by Gabe Hidalgo. Gabe is a managing director at K2 Intelligence Fin. He focuses on anti-money laundering, trade sanctions, and compliance for financial institutions. We take a look at the lessons learned by financial institutions from the coronavirus health crisis and how they will be applied in the reopening of the economy over the next weeks and months. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Gabe Hidalgo. Gabe is with K2Fin. Gabe, or K2IntelligenceFin, I should say. Gabe, first of all, uh, thank you for taking the time to visit with me. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Could you tell us your role at the firm, Gabe? Sure. I'm a managing director. And what I do is I help clients navigate and mitigate Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering compliance risks as they strive to keep up with the latest developments occurring within the new value transfer digital asset marketplace, establish new banking relationships, satisfy regulatory requirements domestically and internationally. And honestly, uh, my practice has actually grown. I help any type of financial institution, whether they're banks, virtual currency exchanges, uh, you know, new fintechs, challenger banks, basically anyone that needs our help. Okay. One of the things that has intrigued me, and I think uh, a lot of people in the greater uh, compliance community uh, during this time of the coronavirus health crisis has been the new risks that have come to light because of COVID-19 and the coronavirus health crisis. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the top issues you are seeing that have been brought to light for financial entities? Sure. I think it's a question that we're going to see the answer shake out some more over the coming months as things kind of return to a normal state or whatever post-corona is normal. Uh, but there are three key areas that we're currently seeing. First off, remote readiness. A lot of institutions uh, may not have been remote ready. And what I mean by that is they can't be in the office. So now they have to have their staff work from wherever they're located to be able to uh, provide coverage for whatever the tasks are that they were assigned uh, during their normal daily routines. So a remote remote ready workforce was key. Uh, Some of the large institutions provide their uh, employees and staff with laptops and other key electronic uh, equipment in order to be able to log in and everything else. But in the case where they can't and they're smaller, a lot of them have provided VPN access and other ways to access the systems. Secondly, another area that we're, we see uh, is data security. Now, it's not enough that you provide your employees and staff with the information, uh, or I should say with the equipment. They also have access to the information that they need to complete their tasks. And data security at this point is super, super important because if there are people out there who are looking to do illicit activities and use other people's data, one of the ways they can do that is by infiltrating an insecure environment. And then three, cybersecurity 
overall outside of data security, the ability to make sure that your systems are completely airtight and you're not going to have an authorized entry into any of the systems is also a key area. Okay, we're seeing many regions across the country begin to reopen. Some are obviously a little further along than others. I'm, for instance, in the great state of Texas, where our governor uh, opened up the state a couple of weeks ago, uh, partially, and now we're moving to a full opening, uh, I think, uh, Monday. Uh, What are some of the issues that you are seeing for financial entities as the economy reopens and we, we move to whatever the next stage of uh, the, the new normal might be? Sure. So uh, one of the things that we're seeing is really uh, for a lot of institutions, because their staff probably was not used to from working from home or wherever they were, we're seeing backlogs that have developed. And those backlogs are really going to be based on a few things. One, uh, the, the system itself uh, whether it's based on metrics or however it is that their output is measured, was not gauged and was not, not gauged, but it wasn't set up for a work-from-home environment. So a lot of people who typically use the office as a kind of the sanctuary to complete their work now have kids running around and other daily tasks and home tasks that they are being covered through, and that's creating a lack of coverage uh, in, their, in their compliance programs. Uh, so, for example, if you have 10 people who are normally uh, completing 100 alerts, transaction monitoring alerts, uh, during the day, and each one is doing 10 per day, now with all the distractions at home, uh, they may be only doing eight. So now there's a big backlog that's building. In addition to that, another thing that's occurring is uh, there may be regulatory required filings that are being delayed simply because there's not enough coverage. Everyone's trying to help out as much as they can. Some people have more time than others. Uh, But again, if you've been tasked with a certain uh, role and you're unable to complete it timely, uh, then, you know, the regulators are going to want to know what's going on. Why did this happen? How did you implement this? Uh, So backlogs is one thing. Regulatory filings are another. Additionally, another thing that we're seeing is whether or not the vendors that you maybe depend on are encountering service backlogs because they themselves are in a situation where they're not used to working from home or working remotely. So if you're depending on a vendor to help you out in your compliance program, their backlog only compounds the situation further. So lastly, the, the other thing that we're seeing um, that, that financial entities need to look out for as they, we kind of return to the office is that transactional activity is spiking as we speak. There are many people at home They're using online portals to shop, to purchase things. These things may be outside the norm for what, for what financial institutions are expecting. There's a lot of people who are buying bulk because they feel like they need to have things at home in case something else happens, in case there's a second wave. There is all this uncertainty because we're used to certain buying patterns and spending patterns and transaction patterns. And now more people are using mobile banking. More people are using online platforms to purchase items. And sometimes, you know, the online platforms that customers are using may not be something that is known to a financial institution. So all these things put together, I think, are some of the things that a lot of financial institutions, as we return to some semblance of normal, you know, post-opening up of the states again, 
that they should be aware of, that those things are waiting for them. Okay, let me pick up on one of the uh, remarks you made about regulators. So uh, I come from the anti-corruption compliance space, and there the Department of Justice has made clear that companies need to continue to have robust anti-corruption compliance programs operating. I've talked to other experts in other areas, such as cybersecurity, where they've actually sat down and talked to regulators and said, and explained that some of the things they used to do, for instance, in-person audits or in-person reviews are not feasible at this point in time. So they've asked for and received permission to do those types of things remotely. Where do you see the financial regulators in that spectrum? So the financial regulators, similar to their colleagues in uh, anti-bribery and corruption, as well as cybersecurity, are taking a measured approach in how they examine financial institutions. What they're doing is they're taking a risk-based approach, but they're doing it remotely and being able to conduct interviews online, similar to you and I speaking today, um, without having to have a presence on site at the financial institution. For a lot of financial institutions, they don't have offices open because right now they're going through a cleansing and preparation for the reopenings across the country. So regulators are aware of this. However, that does not mean that the regulatory requirements for filing, for monitoring, uh, all these things are still in place. It just means that the regulators are taking a measured approach and a risk-based approach, and they're still going to conduct their exams, albeit they'll do it remotely through conversations online, through phone calls, uh, through document review, things that can be submitted through a secure data portal. Uh, They're still taking their steps, but they're doing it in a different fashion. Gabe, the other thing that has struck me about this particular time of the coronavirus health crisis and even the economic dislocation is that there have been some pretty powerful lessons learned for compliance practitioners in a wide variety of disciplines, including uh, financial crimes and and money laundering. And for financial institutions, what are some of the key lessons you see that compliance practitioners can carry forward as we move into Qs 3 and 4 of 2020 and into next year? Uh, That's a great question. It's one that may help define how we look at compliance programs in the future. First, I think overall, institutions need to test and implement their remote-ready work plans. And a lot of that has to do with business continuity. Uh, You know, as a financial, financial institutions need to have business continuity plans ready to go. And that includes mobile access to compliance systems. Uh, Staff should be provided with the ability to to work remotely for situations just like this. It's very easy for us to have a second wave that that further lengthens the amount of time that institutions need to be remote. And if they don't have access to those systems, and that includes system access for all relevant compliance systems, that means uh, also appropriate systems control. So the appropriate user only has access to the system that he needs or she needs to complete their work. In addition to that, they also need to frequently test those accessing controls to make sure that you have both the appropriate access and the appropriate level of um, access to the to the system overall. So, for example, analysts won't need access to SARS, as an example. Uh, additionally, um, there needs to be vigorous monitoring of all the compliance timeframes. And the reason for that is you don't want to slip up because the regulator is not going to accept that because of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, you failed to file something timely. And in addition to that, data protection controls are super important because everyone is putting their faith in your controls as a financial institution to keep their personally identifiable information um, very secure so it doesn't fall into the hands of those who would use it for illicit purposes. Um, In addition to that, uh, 
all your vendors. This is a perfect time for a vendor risk management review to make sure that all your vendors are complying with their service level agreements with the financial institution to make sure that their delays don't compound on what's already been a trying situation for a lot of compliance programs where they're seeing backlogs being built up simply because their own staff can't keep up with the amount of transactional volume as well as the demands of being at home while everyone is kind of trying to figure out how to you know, stay safe and protected uh, during the pandemic. And lastly, uh, institutions need to partner with trustworthy third parties uh, to help them navigate this expanded workflow uh, in an efficient manner, because the regulators are not going to accept that things are untimely simply because of poor planning. What they want to know is what are you doing to cope with the new reality, with the new situation uh, that COVID-19 presents us. David, are the those three lessons that you just detailed in your conversations with your client base, uh, do you find that those uh, issues and those lessons are resonating or are people having trouble just working through the backlog right now before they can start looking down the road? I think they're able to parse out uh, basically what it is that they need to do. There are institutions that are dealing with backlogs and we have received uh, calls and messages from clients and even new prospects, new people who are, are looking to use our services, new potential clients that are very, very concerned because there are substantial backlogs being built up simply because they underestimated the amount of staff prior to COVID-19. And now it puts them at a disadvantage uh, because when they know that when the regulators come in to examine, they're going to see this humongous backlog and they don't really know how to address it. Outside of the backlog issue, um, we have been advising our clients to, to take a look at their current environments, to take a look at their vendor situation. These are things that are going to be super important uh, regarding where they're transitioning back to a, a business-as-usual state. There's probably going to be a hybrid environment that needs to be set up where they structure it so that half of their workforce is at home while half of them are working from home. How is that going to impact their timeframes from a uh, you know, daily compliance uh, view as well as their regulatory filing view? Their staffing plan, they need to shift resources. Uh, and a new allocation plan probably for a work-life balance because now we're heading into a new reality where not everyone's going to be into the office, at least until we can find a vaccine for COVID-19. Gabe, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but I was wondering if listeners wanted more information uh, on the firm or any of the solutions or even issues that you've raised, uh, where would they go? Uh, all the listeners can go and find more information on our website, k2intelligence.com, or on social media at LinkedIn and on Twitter. We're very active, and uh, we're willing to help everyone, uh, regardless of their financial institutional type. Gabe, this has been a fascinating exploration, and I hope that uh, perhaps I could call upon you later as we move into the late summer and maybe even uh, fall to check in and see where we might be in financial institutions' uh, responses to wherever we are then. Sure. I, you can always call on me, and it was a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast posts three times a week at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of each week. That's 10 a.m. Central Time. I hope you will check out our episodes as we post during this health crisis and economic dislocation. This month on The Compliance Life, I'm featuring Ryan Robillet, who talks about his journey to the CCO chair. 
I hope you'll join me for another episode of Compliance and Coronavirus, where I bring clarity and sanity to the business executive and compliance professional around these most serious issues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.